Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing fine. Thank you. Good. Good. We uh, want to start off with talking about the biggest meeting there has been in the history of the world, <laughs> NATO's meeting. Yep, today. Yep. To, to conspire against the people. And, you know, this is totally useless. If they had only done what, you know, uh, one senator way, way back, Robert Taft, thought, and I agree with him, I still say, <laughs> what's the answer to all this? Yeah. Just, just get out of the, get out of NATO and, and get, get out of the United Nations, all this stuff. Because uh, personally, I don't believe in it, and uh, I think constitutionally they're not uh, really uh, proper under the, under, under, the, under the Constitution. But we're in all these organizations, and I would say that even the opinion of the founders, they didn't like entangling alliances. This is really entangled, and uh, it's perpetual, and they play their games. There's demagoguing going on. A lot of money is spent. And, you know, it's okay if they just argue and fuss and fume and, and have a few uh, trade fights. Uh, but uh, usually that kind of stuff, and we've been warning about it for a long time, leads to a hot war. Now people are dying, you know. It, it's so, so unnecessary. It's just not necessary. Uh, for for all this, but there is a meeting. They're trying to decide, and uh, you know, I'm I'm convinced that uh, you you know, as always, I think both sides really want peace. There was one problem: each side wants peace on their terms, you know, <laughs> and uh, and that's that's not possible because the uh, the the war is still going on and is accelerating, and uh, we have a few points here to make that uh, NATO's not backing away. Most of the time, NATO, even when they're involved, you don't hear as much from them. But uh, they and they've been involved in a lot of a lot of things going on, just about everything that we do militarily. But uh, this time, they're they're very open about uh, you know maneuvering and and uh, I don't know if they're as verbal about it, but if uh, Eastern uh, if Ukraine speaks uh, along with uh, NATO, they they are demagoguing and say maybe maybe it's a little stronger than demagoguing. There could be World War Three. Yeah, uh, I don't think they believe that, but that's. That's their effort to scare people, and uh, unfortunately, sometimes those scare tactics backfire because they come about true. Even though uh, right now I'm not in that category and saying you know next month we're going to have World War Three stuff, and I just hope I'm right about that. But uh, I, I just hope that uh, somebody will come up with some brains and and we'll look for something positive today and figure we're moving in the right direction. Maybe maybe, maybe there'll be a shift in attitude. Yeah. It's it's unlikely, though, this, this emergency meeting in Brussels and the President Biden's there, so I'm sure he's got a good handle on everything and he's got everyone under control. But, you know, Dr. Paul, it's always a challenge to get Americans emotionally involved when the elites want war or the, when the elites push war propaganda. And you often you have to hire PR firms. And we talked about yesterday that great piece from Dan Cohen in Mint Press News, which you can actually see now on ronpaulinstitute.org website, about all of the PR firms that are hired, all of the compliance uh, with the TV, the media, the social media, it's all put together in a big package to get Americans emotionally invested in a matter that actually has zero to do with U.S. actual national security. Mm -hmm. uh, it has nothing to do, the dispute, the border dispute between Russia and Ukraine has nothing to do with the United States. It doesn't affect us in any way, shape or form. Yet, of course, as we know from, from 2014, we've been involved 
We've been involved since then. We spent billions of dollars building up their military, emboldening them to challenge this. So this is what you have. So now you have NATO finally acting in Europe uh, to deal with uh, a crisis in Europe. And so what do they do? They get back together in Brussels. They have a big meeting. They have a crisis meeting. They have this big, long list of damning Russia for what it's done. It's not that it shouldn't be condemned for starting violence, but this violence did start in 2014. But the, the issue, and I wanted to just bring this up, Dr. Paul, and go through a couple, because the way NATO is behaving, it's talking about more weapons, more manpower, more uh, troops in Eastern Europe. Uh, it's actually in violation of the NATO Charter. And let's put up this first. I went back and looked at the NATO Charter. It's pretty, it's pretty gross. It's pretty bad anyway. But here's Article 1. The parties undertake as set forth in the Charter of the United Nations to settle any international dispute in which they may be involved by peaceful means in such a manner that international peace and security and justice are not endangered and to refrain in their international relations from the threat or use of force in any manner inconsistent with the purposes of the United States uh, Nations. So regardless of, of how you view the situation, the idea that the response of NATO, rather than, as according to its charter, looking for peaceful disputes, that would mean hosting high-level uh, discussions on how to end the conflict, how to deconflict, how better to deal with the uh, evacuation corridors. No. Rather than any of these things that its charter demands, it sends more weapons, more troops, more intelligence, more targeting information to ratchet up the war and make the Russians that much more irritated to the point well, God knows what's going to happen. You're right. So NATO is actually acting against its charter to ratchet up the aggression and bring us closer to war, the opposite of what it was founded to do. That's sure the case. You know, they um, are ratcheting up, and, and they usually say so World War III could start, which always could start. But uh, they, we uh, in the United States have followed a policy, you know, for as long as I can remember looking at foreign policy, and that is, you have to have a two-front strategy. You have to be prepared for two major wars in the world, three maybe if you need to. You have to just be ready. And, uh, you know, right now, and they shift back and forth, you know, a year ago, uh, I, I think 90% of the troubles stirring in the world were all due to China. And then all of a sudden China, uh, you know, uh, has been less talked about. It has to be uh, Russia, and there seems to be a group of people doing the same thing. But right now, even with this group, I think of these people as super, the super hawks. And I don't know whether they're super strategists and they know what they're doing or they're super ignorant. Yeah. But now, you know, in, involved in this, with all this mess, our president, all the things that he has done to mess up, say, the energy I industry and stir up all these problems. And, uh, and, and he's, he's one that, you know, uh, is uh, for stirring up another one in, in China. And, and they're talking about that under these circumstances. Why don't they solve one at a time? Why don't they, uh, why were they compelled to do it? I, I can't believe, you know, uh, each country has some problems. But what, what happened in the last, uh, I don't know when the switch was turned off. Calm down a little bit on China. Yeah. Now we have to do is get Russia. Oh, yeah. It might have even been American domestic policies. Yeah. You know, it, it was this stuff. You know, Russia is a bad, bad guy, and and Trump does business over there. Yeah. And then it turns out it was all a lie anyway. 
So that that's that's a shame. But uh, I don't know. There are super hawks, but uh, and it's carried out by some people. And the antagonists there are super super ignorant because they don't realize how dangerous it is. They they throw words around, but I don't think they really believe half of what they say. But uh, it's uh, it's just it's just too bad. And you know that statement you read about NATO. I was listening. That is not, you know, the worst statement no, in the world. No, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Be, your complaint was they don't even follow their own rules. Yeah. You know, and uh, this, uh, but but it, it is all deception, is what it is. And I think it, there's a lack of an understanding of human nature on how it works. And once you divide, you know, you have these sides, uh, and it gets politicized. You have this antagonism. It's there's a split in in our country. But the propagandists in our country is pretty darn good when promoting war, which is a real shame. And uh, that, that to me, is one of our biggest problems. But uh, just think uh, of the antagonism being built and the, con uh, and the concession by most people in this country that the, that the real enemy was COVID. Yeah. But all of a sudden now, uh, COVID has turned out to be... Uh, it looks like it's going to be a fizzle, and people are recognizing it. So they, but but they 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 have to have support, and I think the uh, introduction of social media is really what has changed the nature of the demagogues and their ability to demagogue these issues. Yeah, it's really a tool in the arms of the government. But you know, you mentioned what you were talking. I was thinking it's kind of funny that this whole escalation started just as Nord Stream Two was about to go online. Remember, Biden kind of gave it the OK. We're not going to we're not going to shut it down. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, here comes this massive, massive problem. And you think, well, big oil wouldn't do that. And big oil and gas wouldn't do that just as so they can send U.S. LNG across the ocean in ships. They wouldn't do that, would they? Oh, big pharma wouldn't uh, profit from scaring Americans to death about a virus, would they? <laughs> that wouldn't happen. Well, the military industrial complex wouldn't raise billions of dollars on fake threats to the U.S., would they? I mean, at some point you have to see the deep, deep corruption in our society that allows the elites to live in an unbelievable level of luxury while the rest of us continue to get poorer and poorer. You know, uh, my assessment that... Uh you know, trade is is a benefit because if you do trade, you're less likely to fight with them. And I always thought this is a good idea. Uh, the Europeans can get cheaper energy. They can work more with the uh, the Russians. There would be a motive for both sides. You'd think uh, Germany would be pleased and a little bit uh, sensible. But uh, but all of a sudden, Germany, you know, rolls over yeah. when you, at that point when you said all of a sudden uh, our president changed his mind. It, all of a sudden, you know, and they do that. To, it is self defeating. It hurts themselves by doing this. Yeah. And. Uh, because they they could have been now they're now the Europeans are begging that that we sell them more gas. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you saw that but, article. Yeah, <laughs> but that was the whole thing. Is that that's the reason that we stop stop it is we want them to. But now by the time they are coming around in Germany, okay, we'll buy it from you guys. But where where are you going to produce it? You yeah. know, your production is way down. You know, they just don't they don't have any desire, nor do they understand how markets work. That is the biggest thing. They think, uh, and they're convinced that they're smarter 
than anybody uh, you, you know that wants to promote a free market and 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 sort it all out. They they don't know. Uh, the only thing they know is there is no vis invisible hand sorting things out. There is only an iron fist to dictate the rules and regulations. Yeah. Well, here's you know, how is NATO. Uh, violating its charter. Well, here are just a few clips that I found at random, and I, see, I know you've seen a few of them, but let's just go through them. I mean, NATO's mission is to peacefully solve these problems. And let's not forget, this is a non-NATO member, Ukraine. Here we go, here's from the New York Times, I think. NATO doubles its battle groups in Eastern Europe ahead of multiple summits. Next one, here's uh, Jen Stoltenberg, who's now become Fauci, he's famous. Uh, here's him today. Uh, NATO provides significant military support to Ukraine. It's trained tens of thousands of Ukrainian soldiers. Uh, so here he's admitting that we're training soldiers and helping them fight. They are not a NATO member. They are not a NATO ally. We're training them to, to help kill Russians. Uh, here's the next one. Uh, the UK doubles the number of missiles sent to Ukraine ahead of NATO summit. 6,000 more missiles and one more. Uh, this is from the Washington Post. NATO countries pour weapons into Ukraine, risking conflict with Russia. All of these, I would suggest, Dr. Paul, are absolutely diametrically opposed to that uh, Article One of the uh, of the NATO Charter. <laughs> yeah, right. You know the. Uh the issue of China is interesting because it's very, very important, and some people won't leave it alone. But right now, uh, the the big fight is uh, between two two groups, and they're very precise, and everybody should be able to see it because I think it is NATO, United States versus Russia, and uh, every single day we we see something going on there, and it's being ratcheted up constantly. Each side has to act tough, uh, or they can get hit back at home you know right now in this country if uh, you, you know as ridiculous as uh, Biden has been uh, you, you know if you had the libertarians in charge right now uh, they would get a lot of grief yeah you, you know uh, sometimes you get criticized for defending liberty you know yeah. so they would they, they would and that that to me is, is a serious problem and uh, it, it, it won't be solved as long as we have people that are motivated by other things and for peace and and honesty and uh, individual liberty when they're not they're not motivated by that they fear it yeah. they can't stand it that's why that's why yeah liberty means you can discuss these issues so what is the first thing that they must do it's been throughout history close down the dissent yeah you know and it's uh, and now instead of it being more difficult because you have the internet it looks like it's becoming easier because they've infiltrated everything yeah Just and then the you switch. have then you have all the economic interventions the economic interventions instead of doing what I want you know the pipelines bringing people together it just becomes another military tool yeah so uh, it's it's a tough situation so that's the reason I think the only solution is you have to change the attitude of people on an individual basis and as long as you have uh, the immoral souls out there dictating all the rules and they don't even care about uh, you know law and order uh, and, and morality and law you know it, it's going to be tough but uh, still there are a few times when uh, that's the only choice we have yeah well, I guess our next segment is, uh, we could call it unintended consequences. Uh, and we can actually put that next one up. Um, I think you've got it over there on your other stack. Put up this next one. This is from Zero Hedge. U.S. reportedly agrees to house 
100,000 Ukrainian refugees. Here's another thing that happened at the summit. A week after, oh, go back, go back, please. A week after it was reported that several major Polish cities have reached capacity, President Biden uh, is set to announce that we're going to take in 100,000 refugees. So this is something for all those conservatives that are breathing heavily toward war, who nevertheless want our borders closed. Guess what? Here comes 100,000 new Democrat voters. And let's put up this next one. This is from the same article. And this is very important, actually, because it's not going to be these poor people that are, that are burned out of their homes. Uh, this is from uh, the Zero Hedge article. Bear in mind that this virtuous act of asylum provision could be abused. No, that wouldn't happen, <laughs> would it? As we recently noted, according to an investigation by newspaper Le Figaro, around one-third of the Ukrainian refugees arriving in France are actually economic migrants from other areas of the world, mostly North Africa and the Middle East. So people that are braying for war here that don't want to open our borders, uh, and I hope they at least check them for Nazi tattoos when they let them in, uh, but they're going to have all of these migrants coming in, looking for a handout. It's going to be a huge burden on the U.S., unintended consequences. Yeah, and they would want to paint this because... uh we are humanitarians and we want to take care of, of yeah. all the people we've caused trouble, yeah. troubles for. But, you know, this is, um, this, this is sort of strange. I, I, I see our foreign policy actually working hand in glove with the one world people. And the people who, you know, the first time I ever read about the, uh, you know, the Soros type of thing, he, he was talking about, you know, what some libertarians would talk about. Yeah. You know, there's a time when uh, it would be more like the United States where you could be free to go back and forth and move about and the world be, be that way. And, uh, and they, they talk about a, a borderless Yeah, open world, society. Op- the open society. And, uh, and yet, so we, do, we don't have just, just uh, Ukraine right now. You know, we have Iraqis and Afghanis. And, 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 and there'd be nothing wrong with that because in a free society, there, there would be that. You know, in the early part of our history, when we were much freer, we had, uh, we had rules about immigration, yeah. but uh, there was a lot of mixture. The, 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 term, <laughs> the, the, term, the term was a melting pot. And as, the, as this kept going on and getting more complex, I said, yeah, uh, the... the uh, they took that and turned it into the boiling pot, yeah. you know, and that's what's happening now when uh, when the rules is sort of like uh, uh, when there are no rules in a city and uh, there's no punishment and no right or wrong. And it's still going on. What were they doing in L.A. this this yeah. week? Once again, no penalties. Do what you want. Steal whatever you want. Yeah. And, and the people who are really the criminals are if you defend your own property. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, well. The next one, I think, unless you, if you think we're done with this, this is the FBI. Uh, they are trolling the Russian embassies. Put this up. This is from the Washington Post. Um, Want to talk? FBI trolls Russian embassy for disgruntled would-be spies. And on the one hand, that's their job. I mean, that's, I don't know about the FBI, but certainly the CIA. That's a job of an intelligence agency, and that's understandable in the situation. But here's what's interesting. If you turn to that next uh, clip, this is from that article. The ads. So these are ads that are appearing trying to get uh, Russians in the Russian embassy to start giving intelligence info to the U.S. The ads which appear on Facebook, Twitter, and Google are carefully geographically targeted. A Washington Post reporter standing next to the embassy stone walls on Wednesday morning received the ad in their Facebook feed. But the ads did not appear in the feed 
when the reporters stood on the other side of Wisconsin Avenue. So basically, the social media companies are accommodating the FBI by allowing ads to go into that geographic location of the Russian embassy. And I think that's interesting because it shows that they're acting again as government agents and combatants. Yes, and here, here's a statement that confirms what you were saying. U.S. tech giants have been instrumental for America's campaign to discredit uh, the Russian government's rationale for attacking Ukraine. They collaborated with the Western governments in banning Russian media outlets in there. We, we've seen all that yeah. and have, have mentioned that. So uh, once again, uh, you know, the social media is not an example of a good, healthy economic growth in a free society. It's an example of a collusion between big government and, and business. And uh, I think the other day I mentioned that uh, I, I I think there's a time when we might overuse the word fascist, even though it might be yeah. it, it might be uh, rather uh, accurate in it. That uh, I I I like to use the word of uh, you know interventionist, but the other thing is corporatism, yeah. because uh, the left still and the progressive still like that term, but because they have been challenged. You guys are used to be against these corporations. It came up, you know, with uh, COVID. <laughs> you yeah. know what? Why are, we, why are you guys for all this stuff? The left went along with all this corporatism and the drug companies making all this money. But I think corporatism is, is a description of what goes on. And uh, they're very much in business and they do well. And uh, you, you take a comp the pharmaceutical industry, the military uh, industry, they, they all do quite well. And it has... Uh, essentially nothing to do with protecting liberty, but it has a lot to do with undermining liberty and bankrupting our country and enhancing the power and the authority of uh, just the few. And right now, uh, it's, it's unbelievable how much power and authority yeah, they, they, uh, people have and how these instruments, here's another example of, of how the social media and the advertising industry is being used to undermine our system. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's chilling when whenever there's a crisis, it's chilling to see the social media companies go running to government saying, how can we help you push your narrative? How can we help you push your narrative? They're supposed to be. I mean, even under the uh, the carrier thing, they're supposed to be. They're not publishers. They're just facilitators of conversation. Can you imagine if the phone companies, you know, went to the government? How can we stop people from talking about things you don't want to talk about? You will click your phone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Of course, they listen to everything. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll finish on a good news story if we put that last one up. <laughs> Dr. Paul, you know this one. This is uh, you, you alluded to it earlier on. That last clip, or that second to last clip, if you can put it up. Top airline CEO sent a letter to Biden demanding a return to normalcy. Pretty good news. Boy, I, I think so. You know, yesterday I talked a little bit about a statement made by Alex uh, Berenson. Yeah. And he, he, he came out and he had a great headline in this article. It was the COVID vaccine era is ending already. Yeah. So uh, it, it's, it's sort of burned out. You know, and all of a sudden, it it uh, it's just looks like it's going to die off. But of course, uh, you can't ever tell what might happen. But right now, uh, you know, those uh, few who uh, promoted optimism said, you know, time will come and people will wake up and the mothers will go to the meetings and say, look, enough is enough. But here's what's happening in the airlines. Mm. You know, there's a few people, including myself, I don't want to get on those airplanes. Yeah. But uh, I, uh, I. 
I think we should have put our foot down, uh, you know, with the TSA, you know, after 9-11, because yeah. that is what started all this off. But all of a sudden, all the airlines have big companies, and so we lumped them into this category. They rolled over. They did. And so maybe maybe there's there's a little bit of a spark there left, because uh, how many, how many uh, uh, the, all the major airlines. Yeah, all the majors. Sent, sent a letter. Yeah. Sent a letter to the top and sent a letter to Biden demanding return to normalcy. You know, the 1920s again, return to normalcy. <laughs> but uh, we can always re we can always improve on normalcy <laughs> because we want to sort it all out because uh, we want to emphasize, uh, you know, you know, liberty and not authoritarianism. And that to me is a big issue. But no, I, I think it's good. I think that Verison, Verison was right about that. You know, that this is coming to an end. And all of a sudden, the next day, we get this article. Yeah, Boy, he's a powerful person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I got to saying, you know, I don't think they did him a favor. Yeah. They don't. The, the mainstream media is not exactly that friendly with him. No, not at all. <laughs> but it is important. Eleven CEOs wrote to the president saying, hey, no more mask mandates on the planes. It's done. And we don't want any more of this forced COVID screening before international travel, as you've had. Just, just be done with it. Be done with it. And I think a lot of Americans feel that way as well. And it's, I hope it's successful. I hope they listen. The president listens to these people. They should never have been allowed to do it in the first place. And hopefully they'll never try it again. Although we know they'll try it again, you know, but uh, let me follow up yeah. on that because uh, when they made that statement, uh, the proper statement that followed was, you know, if you believe in masks, wear them. Yeah, yeah. You know, the whole thing is, but that's the insult they don't want. You know, yeah. they can't stand the idea. That didn't work. Yeah. And, uh, but, but the people who don't want to wear them, uh, I don't think people are going to get hysterical. Let's hope not, be, yeah. because they've been more hysterical about uh, rules that were uh, written for wearing it, and one person standing up for their own rights, and and and, and do not did not believe that it, 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 there was that much danger. Yeah. That's when the conflict was. But no, in a normal time, uh, because it's all it's already been done in a in a minor way. Because you know, if uh, if you saw a person on an airplane with a mask on, you might think that. Uh, they, they they might have cancer or yeah, something or like that, disorder, and they're yeah. more uh, not not so much a a, a difficult to uh, you know filter out a virus. It might be just an old fashioned uh, strep throat they yeah. want to protect themselves against. So that that is the answer. Volunteerism is a great principle. Two sides of any issues: social, edge, religious, sexual, yeah. anything. Both sides should be in agreement, and all of a sudden, there'd be no fighting. No fighting. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen it where there would be one airline that required them and one airline did it. You know, let the best man win. Yeah. That would have been funny. <laughs> but I want to close, you know, by thanking everyone for supporting the show. You watch the show. You help our numbers. Uh, please, if you're not subscribed, please do subscribe. Please make a comment. Help the algorithms any way you can. Sprinkle some magic powder over it. Whatever it takes. But put up that last link. And also, and I don't do this very often, but I do want to say that if you want to help the show continue going, and there are expenses involved in the show, put up that last clip, please. Go to ronpaulinstitute.org. That's the parent, 501c3 charity that runs the show. Uh, and you click that button that says support over there, and you can make a tax-deductible contribution to help the institute, to help the show. We've got a lot of things planned this year. We've got a couple of conferences. We're redoing our website. We've got a couple of other things that we're going to announce soon. So... It all depends on your support, and you've been very generous with us over the years, and we appreciate it very much. So we hope you'll also be able to keep us going. 
Sounds to me like you're going to be very busy. It's going to be a busy year, which <laughs> right. is good. It makes me very happy. Good. I want to follow up a little bit about uh, our so-called friend and leader of the COVID movement, and that is uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, because I, I'm worried about him a, a little bit because um, with, with this COVID hysteria ending right now, what's he going to do? <laughs> I mean, he could become a serious uh, problem to himself and to all of us. He, he, might, he might not adapt very well. Uh, he, I see he sort of disappeared, but in the last couple of days, it must be very frustrating. All I believe is a, a guy like that who had sudden, horrendous, tremendous fame after all those years, even if he was the, the richest bureaucrat we've ever had, <laughs> made more money than anybody else, that he, he, he loves the money. He was satisfied with that. But now he had fame and fortune. So I think um, he may need some guidance on just how to handle this, be, handle this because he, uh, he has a bad, I think he, he loves the limelight and uh, there'll have to be something done about it. But that's the way a lot of this happens with the politician. They love the limelight. And I've met so many people who uh, once they told me they were running for office, fine, finally, I believe like you do in this, but they won, they ran, and then they, they uh, changed their minds. They had to become more pragmatic, Ron. They say, you're, you're too impractical. I said, well, authoritarianism and welfareism and warfareism, I don't think there's anything practical about that. I think the only practical way in the, in the real sense uh, is to have uh, the freest society that you can have because uh, authoritarianism leads to all these problems, antagonism, and eventually violence, and eventually people want to fight a war over it. So uh, I, I don't think those principles are difficult. I think they're simple, simple to understand. Uh, it just has to be uh, a few people speaking out. Like, uh, you know, we see one article on Barris and say, it looks like it's all over, folks. Let's go. And the next day, the airline uh, owners signed the letter to the president. We've had enough of this. And uh, this, this occurred with the masks in the schools. So it, it is. Prevailing attitudes are important. Ideas are important. And these principles are important. And most people who had been lured into accepting this stuff usually did it, you know, because they thought it was the right thing to do and the government's supposed to be helpful to us and they didn't want, they wanted to go along with it. So, uh, but then it takes a while for people to wake up. People support the wars be before and as soon as they get started, but it takes a lot of killing and nonsense to go on. Right now, this war, that's, uh, it became a hot war here a month ago in Ukraine. It could, it could get a lot worse, and uh, it's so unnecessary. But right now, it looks like those kind of battles are still going to be with us. The best we can do is advise and try to understand best how to promote a system of peace and prosperity, because I think that's what the American people really want. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.